Listening to the Miskel City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volume, over 2,500 page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Miskel City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support, the Mystical City of God in your podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle at Mystical City of God. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know that the saving power of Jesus' name throughout time you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seed of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 306, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 13, Paragraphs 240 to 247. Instruction given to me by the Queen of the Angels. 240. My daughter, by the lessons contained in this chapter, I wish to draw thee to deplore with inmost groaning and sighing, and, if possible, with tears of blood, the difference between the state of the Holy Church in our times and that of those primitive times, how its purest gold of holiness has been obscured, and the ancient beauty in which the apostles have founded it is lost, how it has sought foreign and deceitful powders and paints to cover the hoarded and distorted ugliness of vice. In order that thou mayest penetrate into this truth, thou must renew in thyself the consideration of the force and eagerness with which the divinity seeks to communicate his goodness and perfection to creatures. So great is the impetus of the river of God's goodness overflowing on mankind that only the free will of man, which he has given to him in order to receive its benefits, can raise a dam against it. And whenever, through this free will, man resists the influence and force of the divine goodness, he, according to thy mode of understanding, violates and grieves this immense love in its very essence. But if creatures would place no obstacle and permit its operations, the whole soul would be inundated and satiated with participation in its divine essence and attributes. It would raise the fallen from the dust, enrich the indignant children of Adam, Place them above all their miseries, and seat them with the princes of his glory. 1 Kings 2.8 2.41 From this, my daughter, thou wilt understand two things unknown to human wisdom. First, how pleasing to the highest goodness is the service of those who, with an ardent zeal for God's glory, devote their labor and solicitude toward removing the obstacles which men place to their own justification and communication of his favors. 
The satisfaction of the Most High arising from this work in others cannot be estimated in this mortal life. On this account, the ministry of the apostles, the prelates, the priests, and preachers of the divine word are so highly exalted, for they succeed in office those who founded the church and who labored in its preservation and extension. All of them are to be cooperators and executors of the immense love of God for the souls created to be sharers in his divinity. Secondly, thou must ponder the greatness and abundance of the gifts and favors which the infinite power communicates to those souls who do not hinder his most liberal bounty. The Lord manifested this truth immediately in the beginnings of the evangelical church, when, to all those who were to enter into it, he showed his bounty by such great prodigies and wonders, frequently sending the Holy Ghost in a visible manner, working miracles in those who accepted the creed, and showering forth other hidden favors on the faithful. 242 but most of all shown forth his mighty power and munificence in the apostles and disciples, because in them there was no hindrance to his eternal and holy will, and they were true instruments and executors of the divine love, imitators and successors of Christ and followers of truth. Hence, they were elevated to an ineffable participation in the attributes of God, especially as regards his science, holiness, and power working for themselves and for the souls such great miracles as mortal man cannot ever sufficiently extol. After the apostles, other children were born to the church, in which from generation to generation this divine wisdom and its effects were transplanted. Psalm 44.17 Leaving aside at present the innumerable martyrs who shed their blood for Christ and gave their lives for the holy faith, Consider the founders of religions, the great saints, who flourished in them, the doctors, the bishops, and prelates, and apostolical men, through whom the bounty and omnipotence of God was so abundantly manifested. They are so great that others who are ministers of God for the welfare of souls and all the faithful can have no excuse, even if God does not work similar ones, in those he finds fit for his operations. 2.43 and to the greater confusion of the negligent ministers of the church in our days, I desire thee to understand that in his eternal decrees the Most High dispenses his infinite treasures of the soul through the ministry of prelates, priests, preachers, and teachers of his divine word. As far as his will is concerned, they might all be angelic rather than human in their holiness and perfection. They might enjoy many privileges and exemptions of nature and grace, and thus become fit ministers of the Most High, if only they would not pervert the order of his infinite wisdom, and if they lived up to the dignity to which they are called and chosen before all others. This infinite kindness of God is just as great now as in the first ages of the church. The inclination of the highest goodness to enrich souls is not changed, nor can it be his condescending liberality has not diminished. The love of his church is always at its height. His mercy is just as much concerned at the miseries of men, which in our times are become innumerable. The clamor of the sheep of Christ is louder than ever. The prelates, priests, and ministers are more numerous than heretofore. If this is so, to what is to be attributed the loss of so many souls and the ruin of the Christian people? Why is it that the infidels not only do not enter the church, but subjected so much affliction and sorrow, that the prelates and ministers do not shine before the world exhibiting the splendors of Christ, as in the ages gone by, and in the primitive church. 2.44 O my daughter, I invite thee to let thy tears flow over this loss and ruin, 
Consider how the stones of the sanctuary are scattered about in the streets of the city. See how the priests of the Lord have assimilated themselves to the people. Isaiah 24.2 When on the contrary, they should raise the people to the holiness which is due to the priesthood. The sacerdotal dignity and the precious vestment of true virtue are soiled by contagion with the worldly. The anointed of the Lord, consecrated solely to his worship and intercourse, have lapsed from their noble and godlike station. They have lost their beauty in debasing themselves to vile actions, unworthy of their exalted position among men. They affect vanity. They indulge greed and avarice. They serve their own interests. They love money. They place their hopes in treasures of silver and gold. They submit to the flatteries and to the slavery of the worldly and powerful. And to their still lower degradation, they subject themselves to the petty whims of women and sometimes make themselves participants in their counsels of malice and wickedness. There is hardly a sheep in the fold of Christ which recognizes in them the voice of its pastor or finds from them the nourishment of that redeeming virtue and holiness which they should show forth. The little ones ask for bread and there is none to distribute. And if it is dealt out in self-interest or as a compliment, how can it afford wholesome nourishment to the necessitous and infirm from such leprous hands? How shall the heavenly physician confide to such administrators the medicine of life? Or how can the guilty ones intercede and mediate mercy for those who are less or even equally guilty? 2.45 These are the reasons why the prelates and priests of our times do not perform the miracles of the apostles and disciples, and of those who in the primitive church imitated their lives by an ardent zeal for the honor of the Lord and the conversion of souls. On this account, the treasures of the blood and death of Christ in the church do not bear the same fruits, either in his priests and ministers, nor in the other mortals. For if they neglect and forget to make them fruitful in themselves, How can they expect them to flow over on the rest of the human family? On this account, the infidels are not converted on learning of the true faith, although they live within sight of the princes of the church, the ministers and preachers of the gospel. The church in our times is richer in temporal goods, rents, and possessions. It abounds with learned men, great prelacies, and multiplied dignities, as all these advantages are due to the blood of Christ. They ought all to be used in his honor and service, promoting the conversion of souls, supporting his poor, and enhancing the worship and veneration of his holy name. 2.46 Is this the use made of the temporal riches of the church? Let the captives answer. Whether they are ransomed by the rents of the church, let the infidels testify whether they are converted, whether heresies are extirpated at the expense of the ecclesiastical treasures. But the public voice will loudly proclaim that from these same treasures, palaces were built, primogenitures established, the airy nothingness of noble titles bought, and what is most deplorable, it is known to what profane and vile uses those that succeed in the ecclesiastical office put the treasures of the church, how they dishonor the high priest Christ, and in their lives depart just as far from the imitation of Christ and the apostles as the most profane men of the world. If the preaching of the divine word by these ministers is so dead and without power of vivifying the hearers, it is not the fault of truth or of the holy scriptures, but it is because of the abuse and of the distorted intentions of those that preach it. They seek to compromise the glory of Christ with their own selfish honor and vain esteem, the spiritual goods with base acquisition of stipends, and if those two selfish ends are reached, they care not for other results of their preaching.'" 
Therefore, they wander away from the pure and sincere doctrine, and sometimes even from the truth, which the sacred authors have recorded in the scriptures, and according to which the holy teachers have explained them. They slime it over with their own ingenuous subtleties, seeking to cause rather the pleasure and admiration of the hearers than their advancement. As the divine truths reach the ears of the sinner so adulterated, they impress upon the mind, rather the ingenuous sophistry of the preacher, than the charity of Christ. They bring with it no force or efficacy for penetrating the hearts, although full of ingenuous artifice, to delight the ears. 247. Let not the chastisement of these vanities and abuses and of others unknown to the world astonish thee, my dearest, and be not surprised that divine justice has so much forsaken the prelates, ministers, and preachers of his word, or that the Catholic Church, having such an exalted position in its beginnings, should now be brought to such low estate. And if there are some priests and ministers who are not infected with these lamentable vices, the Church owes so much the more to my divine Son in these times, when he is so deeply offended and outraged. With those that are zealous, he is most liberal, but they are few in number, as is evident from the ruin of the Christian people, and from the contempt into which the priests and preachers of the gospel have fallen. For if the number of the perfect and the zealous workers were great, without a doubt sinners would reform and amend their lives. Many infidels would be converted. All would look upon and hear with reverence and fear such preachers, priests, and prelates. They would respect them for their dignity and holiness, and not for their usurped authority and outward show, which induces a reverence too much like worldly applause and altogether without fruit. Do not be afraid or abashed for having written all this, for they themselves know that it is the truth, and thou dost not write of thy own choice, but at my command. Hence bewail such a sad state, and invite heaven and earth to help thee in thy weeping, for there are few who sorrow on account of it. And this is the greatest of all the injuries committed against the Lord by the children of the church. This concludes our reading today for day number 306. We've been reading from volume 4, book 7, chapter 13, paragraphs 240 to 247. What a difficult teaching that Our Lady gave in our reading, and even at the very end of it today, she tells Maria of Agreda, these words are hard, but they know it to be true. And she says, weep over this, because so many are not. Maria of Agreda receives this instruction of Our Lady about the state of the church and those in the leadership of the church and how they don't take seriously their office of preaching, how they don't take seriously the call to holiness. Maria of Agreda is writing this hundreds of years from today. But boy, these words, I think, pierce our hearts still to this very day. We've seen the great scandals that erupted in the late 1900s and into the 2000s. We've seen the great scandal of 2019 with Cardinal McCarrick. And so the teaching of Our Lady today, I believe, is a call to pray for the clergy of the church. In a controversial and not approved apparition of Our Lady in Garamendal, Spain, she said that many bishops, many cardinals, many priests are leading the faithful along the road to perdition. Doesn't it seem like that's true? In Akita, Japan, she told 
the religious sister there that cardinal would be against cardinal, and don't we see that today? Our Lady has always been prophetic. She taught Sor Maria, and today we continue to see it played out in the life of the church. Pray for the Pope. Pray for the cardinals. Pray for the bishops. Pray for your priests. Pray for deacons. And pray for the whole people of God, that we may take seriously the teachings of Jesus, follow them to the best of our ability, and strive to live with the goal of heaven in mind. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.